Merry Christmas, Chapelgate, and thanks for joining us. Over the next four weeks, we will be taking time to explore the unimaginable Jesus by looking at the ways that Christmas carols capture the truth and hope of the gospel story. We hope that these episodes enhance your Advent experience and that you walk away from them feeling the peace, hope, and joy that this Christmas season is all about. Thanks for joining us for uh, this four-part mini-series of Advent study um, on the unimaginable Jesus. This is Chapelgate Church's uh, Advent workbook, and this year we've decided to add a little bit of uh, a new addition here. And so I'm joined with Dan Passarelli, and uh, Dan and I are going to be walking with uh, different people in our congregation through this four-week series talking about um, Christmas carols and how they point to uh, some of the deep realities of what it is that we're celebrating here during the Advent season. So, um, Dan, why don't you walk us through a little bit of kind of what we can expect to get out of these sessions? Yeah, I think, you know, for many of us, Christmas carols are familiar uh, and and I think sometimes they're too familiar, right? Like we often hear them outside the context of worship, uh, you know, in the shopping malls or, you know, on Hallmark movies, um, you know, they're always on, on the radio, uh, they're in commercials, you know, they're used to sell things. And, um, you know, sometimes they almost become too familiar and we forget that there is, there's this rich theology uh, that's behind them. And, and so part of what I hope will will do is as we have conversations with with uh, folks in, in the congregation is we'll kind of rediscover some of that rich theology and and really see how that um that plays out sort of impacts our lives kind of on the day to day not just at christmas really but throughout the year yeah that's a great word i i I find myself um, a lot of times, like you said, it's like I hear the song, I sing the words even maybe in church sometimes, right? Where it's like the words are up on the screen and I'm singing along, but they kind of just wash over me like in one ear out the other. And I think what we're really hoping to do here is, is take a special time, set it aside and really engage with the content of these carols. What are they actually saying? And and I, I'll tell you, like, just as we even, we've, as we've been preparing like there's a lot of supernaturalness to this that um, just seems kind of maybe odd, out of place, or just irrelevant in our time. And yet, I think it's good to to take a moment and reflect. And so that's just kind of our invitation to you, um, the listener, is that you guys would just take a minute and enjoy this. Enjoy the richness of our God as he reveals himself um, through the word, through the week, but then also through these carols that we sing um, each Wednesday. So um Towards that end, we are actually joined by Jordan Woodrick. Jordan is a member here along with her husband, Ben, and they have two wonderful children, which makes them a young family. So it's my privilege because I hang out with Jordan and Ben a lot. But um, Jordan has also been on a different podcast with me. So this is not her first rodeo. So we expect nothing but flawless perfection from her and all her thoughts. Um, Am I selling you too high, short, just right? Where are you here, Jordan? Uh, might be a little too high, but I'm super excited to be here. I really love uh, Advent. I think when you asked me if I would do this, I texted back very aggressively in all caps. I love Advent. So <laughs> I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, my my phone like 
it didn't just like vibrate. It was just like, yo, text message. So we're really glad Jordan you're here, Dan, we're glad you're here. Um, and so Dan, tell us what's, what's the first Carol we're looking at. Yes. Yeah, so our, our first Carol is O come, O come Emmanuel. Um, this is one that, uh, actually in my own personal experience uh, has um, special meaning. Our family used to uh, gather around on the evenings before Christmas um, to, we would light candles, we would read scriptures uh, about the coming of Jesus, but we always started uh, with singing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, so for me, it has kind of personal significance uh, to Advent. Um, but Jordan, I'm I'm quite intrigued. I'd I'd love to hear just a little bit from you before we get into looking at the Carol itself. Um, wh- what why do you love Advent so much? What is it that really gets you excited about it? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I definitely grew up uh, observing Advent with my family um, and at our church. Um, but actually over the years, especially as I have my own family, it's become more, it becomes more special or more meaningful to help lead our family to get ready for Christmas. Um, I think, uh, part of it is I appreciate the spiritual discipline, um, around a kind of, in our culture, a very noisy holiday. And I don't mean that in a like pejorative way. I think that like all of that joyfulness and celebration and warmth and family stuff that come from our culture's appreciation for Christmas is all good, but I think it can be a little bit distracting sometimes um, when it comes to getting ready for uh, the reason that we are celebrating Christmas, which is Jesus. Um, So I kind of appreciate having that spiritual discipline to help quiet my own heart and to help my family also quiet our hearts during a kind of uh, crazy time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. I love that. And and you all, um, just for those of uh, our from our congregation that haven't met you, um, y- you all are fairly new to this area. Is that is that right? That's true. We um, we moved to this area, the Baltimore area, um, in 2018, um, but really didn't start going to Chapelgate until the end of 2019, right before 2020. Um, but the, for 10 years prior to that, we were living in DC. And then before that, uh, we were living in and had grown up in Mississippi. Okay. Wow. Um, so, so I guess the first question, um, that, that I'd love to hear from you about is, um, as you as you think about this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, um, as you sing it, um, what are what are some of the feelings or or thoughts that really kind of stand out to you? Uh, and and you sing it kind of at, in a unique place, right? Because you also help lead uh, uh, singing on our worship team, um, so there's like that added component as well. So. Um, yeah, just what what do you what stands out when you sing the song? What do you feel? That's a good question. Um, I think the feeling I get from this song is um, a connection to the past. And I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know exactly why that is. I think probably because a lot of recordings of the song are like 
kind of sound monastic or like, you know, they have that kind of, I don't know what the word is, but a chanting kind of sound. So it, it, I feel this like connection to like global historical Christianity, um, for that, I have no idea what reason other than how it sounds to me. Um, and also the other thing I feel when I hear and sing this song is that it's a true Advent song. Like there's other songs that we sing before Christmas, Christmas carols that do prepare us for, for Christmas, but they're usually describing, you know, the incarnation or describing the birth of Jesus or his, his life. And that's good. But this song, I, I like that you said that you always started off your Advent season with your family with a song. Cause it does feel like a very true meeting, like the technical definition of like, we are waiting for Christmas. Like we're longing for Christmas. So I kind of appreciate that it's a true Advent song. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause before we, we sat down to do this conversation. I, I actually looked into the history of the song and I don't know if you guys know this, but um, it's hard to lock down the actual Genesis, like the true origin of this song. It's that old. Um, but the earliest, like that we can sort of hone in on, on where this song was first sung and, and dealt with is, is actually um, in the early 1500s in France. And prior to that were uh, this was actually a funeral dirge. Like it was like a song that like would be graveside. Um, sort of like, like you said, like chanted and sung with instruments because there is such a somberness to the, uh, to the, to the tune of the music. But, um, you know, tapping into what you're saying, Jordan, like the Advent, the incarnation, this song does look forward, right? Like that's really what we mean when we say Advent, we're looking forward to the incarnation. And that's, you know, simply put, that's when Jesus comes down to earth, right? He takes on flesh and we see in John one, um, you know, in the beginning was the word that's Jesus and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we anticipate in Advent and that's what makes this song so cool. Yeah. And, and I think the, the other, um, the other piece of that. So the, the longing that's there, that, that desire that, you know, it starts out, Oh, come. Right. Um, but it also acknowledges the world as it is. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't pretend. And I think, and maybe Jordan, even this is some of what you were saying. Like, there's so many other Christmas songs that are just so like poppy and and happy, and it's all joy. And and this song begins by acknowledging the world as it is. It speaks, uh, even you know, to, to quote some of it. It speaks to those who mourn in lonely exile who mourn in lonely exile here. Um, and, and I just wonder if if maybe that's even almost a relief that here's a Christmas song that isn't afraid to acknowledge that all is not happy in the world. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, <laughs> I am sometimes like personally very drawn to sad things, which is probably a weird admission. Um, someone can psychoanalyze that later, but, um, I think that our culture generally, um, and maybe other cultures as well, but at least ours, I know doesn't like to sit with discomfort or sadness. Our, I think our impulse is to jump to the resolution or to the joyful part. And I, I think that impulse is good. And it's part of, I think it's partly by design, like 
we we recognize that something is not right and so we're looking for there to be good um and jesus provides that but you know i think that other times some of that that reluctance to deal with the sad parts is um driven more by apathy or ignorance or maybe wanting to numb ourselves um against what feels bad um so it it does sometimes feel good in a way to sing about that um you know especially since we all struggle with different things personal things that make us feel sad or lonely in the world and definitely as a church when we come together and we're able to sing our laments together it's really encouraging and there's certainly nothing more disorienting than to come into to to come and be with God's people and to feel that you can't be sad or that you have to be happy you know, there's a little bit of a disconnect there so i appreciate the opportunity singing this kind of song to be able to do that with people who share the same um, belief in the goodness of God and recognizing the fallenness of our world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's great. And it, it's, it's good because we, we recognize it. We acknowledge the, the, the need, the longing that's there. Um, but we don't do it without any hope. Right. I mean, like the, the song, even though it does, you know, uh, Rob, I, I love that you um, geeked out on us a bit and, and sort of found out, you know, it used to be like a funeral dirge. It has that feel. And yet there is this promise because it says he shall come to you. O Israel, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Um, Emmanuel is, you know, that that's, that's the, the Hebrew word that means God with us. Um, and so, uh, I, I, you know, Jordan, if this, if this isn't getting too personal, I'd, I'd love for you to just share, um, what does it mean for you to hear this promise that God will not leave you alone? That, that when you, when you are feeling alone in the world, you are feeling some of the, the brokenness, the disconnect that's here, that, that there is this promise that God will not leave you alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to say one thing that you, when you just said it, it made me think about something that I hadn't thought before about this song, that there, just like with any song, you know, there are these rhythms of a verse and a chorus, a verse and a chorus. And it's like the verse admits the sad part and the chorus reiterates the promise. And so that's very much like our lives, right? Like we kind of, we go through these rhythms and, you know, with Advent, we experience Christmas every year, the same kind of rhythm of wait, receive, wait, receive, wait, receive. So just thinking about what you said made me see even the like structure of that song a little differently. Um, but yeah, in terms of a personal, on a personal note, in terms of the, how do I live with this feeling of loneliness? Um, something that you had asked as I was preparing for this conversation was about um, whether or not some of those feelings of loneliness might have might come from, um, as I mentioned, my family and I moving here from another place. And um, you know, certainly uh, in the song it talks about exile, and there's we may not be exiled from our, our home, but there's certainly some like shared elements of 
being away from what's familiar, um, feeling like an outsider, um, and that can generate feelings of loneliness. Um, some examples of how we may have felt, you know, a little bit like outsiders here, um, having moved from far away. Um, one kind of less serious example uh, is, a, is a funny one because my husband's name is Ben, um, short for Benjamin. And uh, we did not realize until we moved here that we pronounce his name a little differently than people around here do. And it seemed like people around here really emphasized the short E, the F sound, and we tend to make it like a short I. And it has caused so many like miscommunications. Um, I don't know how many times my husband has gotten a coffee cup that says either B I N like bin, like a, <laughs> like a garbage bin, like a tub, <laughs> which that was the first time it had ever even occurred to me that the word B I N and B E N should be pronounced any differently. I never even occurred to me. Um, or VIN, like V-I-N, but, you know, that's a silly example, but, like, it was one of those, like, it, it's that feeling of, like, oh, we're not, we're not the same as everybody here, or we're outsiders. Um, mm. and on a more serious note, I think one of the things that we experienced um, here is in trying to make new friends in a place where many people are already have their family roots here and family roots that go back even generations um, and, and even friend relationships as well could be hard to break into that. Um, and, and I think that we definitely struggled to get that sense of community um, that we were longing for. Um, so I think that's, my own personal experience with it as far as my family is concerned. And then the last thing I'll mention on a more individual note is I think in my life, I've also at many times experienced the feeling that there was like a group of people that I was supposed to be a part of that I couldn't ever break into and connect mm -hmm. with people. Um, and it's funny because it's not that, you know, from the outside, it may have appeared that, I was surrounded by people, but in, in reality, I was not always feeling connected to them. Um, and sometimes felt certainly lonely and I may not have ever been able to describe it that way to someone that I was lonely, but I've felt that feeling before. Like I'm looking from the outside, looking in and watching other people have connections that I feel unable to, to make the connection. So that's been my experience with loneliness and feeling of exile air quotes. Yeah. Jordan, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd love just to hear a, a little bit. How, how do you think, um, I mean, in some ways, even if you've grown up in a place, it's easy to feel disconnected. It's easy to feel like the only one who isn't, you know, fitting in for whatever reason. Um, and I, and I think, I think that's, I mean, actually, you know, if we're talking deep theology, I mean, that, that goes all the way back to the fall, right? We experience disconnection from God and one another. When, when the song talks about being in lonely exile, it's actually 
that's that's the condition of all all people. We're all disconnected. Um, but you know, having moved to a new place, it and and I, I'm I may just be guessing and making assumptions. I don't know, but I wonder if um, you you may actually ha- be uniquely suited to have uh, you know kind of on the forefront of your mind, like how do I make space for others to acknowledge that they may also feel disconnected? And I just wonder how you and Ben have thought about that. And if you've had any kind of practical experiences where uh, you've been able to make space for, for somebody else who feels disconnected as well. Yeah. um, I think that one of the ways that this kind of harkens back to something I was saying earlier about how sometimes our reluctance to get around the sad parts of life is, is a bit trying to numb ourselves or like protect ourselves from it. So trying, I think trying to be intentional about not being numb to either my own sadness or own, you know, uncomfortable feelings, and also trying to make sure that we're sensitive to those feelings in others and particularly loneliness. Um, I think that some of the practical ways might include modeling honesty. So um, uh, the example that I am thinking of that's most at the top of my head right now isn't really a family one, but it's um, I it's about pregnancy. So I uh, just had a baby three months ago and um, complained about it for nine months. Um, but I think that making modeling honesty and making space for people to um, admit when things aren't great, even when our culture kind of puts pressure on us to say everything's great. Aren't you so excited? Isn't this wonderful? Um, if any of you out there have ever been pregnant, you know, that that's not always the feeling that you have, even if you're excited about your growing family, um, you still, it's not always great and making space for other people to feel comfortable to say, Hey, I don't feel great right now. (laughs) And that doesn't mean that I'm not excited about my growing family, but I don't feel good. And just being able to sit with that and let that be the honest truth. Um, so I think modeling that honesty is really important. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jordan, I, I think what I love about that is you're, you're creating a space to actually sit with someone and say together, Hey, let's sit in that longing for a minute. Let's, let's acknowledge that we want something more. And that, that is actually a sign that God is at work because he's put that desire uh, and, and that ability to say, Hey, it's not okay right now, but we believe uh, that something is that Jesus has come. And so we can, we can like wait for that long, you know, we can wait for that arrival of him. Yeah. And this, this song captures that, right? I mean, like, look at the language. I mean, if, if you're, if you're listening to the podcast, maybe right now you don't have it, have it right in front of you, but pull it up as you listen, because 
I mean, as, as Dan and Jordan have been talking, I've just been looking at these words. It's from the depths of hell, thy people save, right? Like death's dark shadows disperse the gloomy clouds of night. We, especially in Howard County, especially, you know, in where we are in Maryland, we're a cold culture. And, and I don't mean like weather. I mean, like in, in terms of how we express ourselves, we're very formal. We protect, um, you know, Jordan, I thought you said it well. It's like, we will, we'll give you the answer we believe you want to hear if you say, Hey, how you do and i say i'm good how are you am i good i don't know you'll never know because we don't actually want to deal with the realities but the god deals with the realities scripture deals with the realities this song oh come oh come emmanuel it's a cry for help and we have to recognize that that we we serve like this wild deep god not this stoic quiet cold god but a wild deep god who understands the longings of our heart and whose desire is to enter in and engage with those yeah i love it that's so so good rob um jordan thanks thanks for uh, the the direction that you've taken us in today, I, I really really appreciate that. Um, uh, my, our, our last question for you really is just, um, what what do you do practically with your family? I mean, you, you mentioned you're, you you know you've, you have a new baby there, so your family's growing. Um, but but what's what's maybe one thing that you've done practically that that you really feel like helps you as a family uh, live in that hope? that that god has come and is coming uh to you yeah um i think being intentional about looking for the evidence of the redemption and renewal of all things so actually i want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about the fall and just say very quickly one of the things that i think is really interesting about this song and connection to the exile is that, you know, in my head, when I think, okay, the resolution to feeling out of place is, you know, the intuitive response might be, okay, go back to your home place. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in this song, the song doesn't say, hey, we're in exile, take us away from here. It says, we're in exile, come to us you know and i so think that good. yeah <laughs> i think that that communicates something really i think beautiful about our theology in that god doesn't take us away from here he actually promises to through the holy spirit through jesus's work to renew this place and make it like eden again so we're not going to be in exile anymore we're going to be in eden in the place that we are right in this like this earth and so being on the lookout for the little glimmers of that, the little glimmers of what Jesus has already initiated is something that helps me believe like, Oh, this is true. Like this isn't just something we sing about just because it feels good, you know, but it's, it's real and it's in everything that we do, whether it's in our family life or in our work um, and in our relationships. Um, So just, in general, my comment is that trying to just be on the lookout for those things and recognize them and call them for what they are, which is a little bit of gardening that God is letting us do to turn this place back into Eden. Um, and so I think some examples of that are probably trying to cultivate within our family, a feeling of an empathetic posture 
toward people who may not be like us, you know, and that's kind of coming back to that feeling of loneliness and being able to recognize when other people feel lonely. So um, trying to cultivate in our family a, a feeling of inviting others in. Um, one of the ways that I've seen this, and it's always so endearing, is watching my daughter um, talk about taking care of classmates in her class who have special needs and maybe kind of in those terms like outsiders. And you know, it's just really special to see her doing stuff like that. And in, in when she's doing that, she's being a part of that renewal um, as an extension of our family and as an extension of Jesus. Yeah. I love that, Jordan. That's, that's beautiful. Um, we, uh, as we were talking, kind of getting ready for this, um, you, uh, you shared with us a quote from Bonhoeffer, um, that, uh, I think really captures really this, just this tension of waiting for rescue from Jesus, but at the same time, rejoicing at his coming and, and seeing some of those glimmers, uh, of the coming hope. So I, I actually wanted to end our time. If you would read that for us, I think that would be a good way for us to, to end our conversation. Sure. Learn to wait because he has promised to come. I stand at the door. We, however, call to him. Yes, come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I love that. Jordan, thanks for spending this time with us. Uh, Rob, thanks for, thanks for hosting us. I don't know if you have any final closing words for our audience. No, just thanks, Jordan. We are so grateful for you, for you and your family being part of this this church, um, for you taking time just to to bless Dan and myself, but also um, our listeners as we all together wait and cry, O come Emmanuel. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. We have seen a great light. The unimaginable Jesus is here, shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome him. On behalf of everyone here at Chapelgate Church, we hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening.